On Highway 27, a somewhat isolated road in Canada, Officer Aaron, who was on patrol, became suspicious when he saw a pickup truck leaving the middle of the forest at high speed. He was alone in his vehicle and thought it prudent to follow the pickup truck at a distance while calling for backup on the radio. This officer couldn't know that he was going after Canada's youngest serial killer, Cody Legibokov. Born January 21, 1990, Cody Allen Legibokov was raised in Fort St. James, a county township in rural British Columbia. Cody's childhood, unlike most serial killers, was happy. He was raised in a loving and financially stable family. He went to a good school and was a popular kid who enjoyed sports, competed in ice hockey and showed no propensity for violence. To those around him, Cody was a normal person, engaged in group activities and very easy to get along with. Upon finishing high school in 2008, Cody got a job as a mechanic at the Ford dealership and moved to the city of Prince George, also in British Columbia, where he shared an apartment with three long-time friends. The boy was never on the police radar. He was a model citizen who maintained a standard routine, so to speak. He liked to spend hours on social networks chatting with friends and watching funny videos. Everything, until then, followed the rules of civic order. But two years later, at 20 years old, Cody showed that he was not the nice guy he appeared to be. On a cold night on November 27, 2010, Cody was seen in his pickup truck by a police car on Highway 27. He was turning onto a small remote road that led to a logging area known for illegal animal hunting. According to the report made by Officer Constable Aaron Kayla, he suspected the vehicle may be involved in hunting and found it very strange to be travelling at high speed when leaving the highway. He followed it for about 10 minutes until reinforcements arrived. When the vehicle stopped and Aaron approached the pickup, Cody was already holding his documents out of the driver's window before even being asked, a situation the officer had never witnessed before. Also, Cody was wearing shorts when the night temperature was well below zero. The officers noticed bloodstains on his face, legs and inside the car. Cody explained that the blood was from a deer he had recently killed and was about to bury. But the officer reminded him that hunting was illegal in the area. Upon conducting a more thorough search of the truck, officers discovered a blood-covered wrench along with a backpack and wallet containing a children's hospital card with the name Lauren Don Leslie on it. Because Cody said he had been hunting, the officer used this excuse to arrest him under Canada's Wildlife Act and called a team to check the area. They followed Cody's vehicle's tyre tracks in the road and on freshly fallen snow and found footprints that led to the partially nude body of a young woman. The girl was 15-year-old Lauren Don Leslie. She had been stabbed in the throat and had marks on her face and body. Officer Aaron, in suspecting an illegal hunter, ironically and fortunately, ended up capturing a killer. Cody, clearly out of options, initially said he had found the body on the side of the road and drove off in a panic, taking some of the victim's belongings with him. However, as traces of blood were found on the wrench in his vehicle, he later admitted to knowing the girl. 
He said he met her on the Canadian social network Nexopia. According to his version of events that occurred that night, they were having consensual sex when Lauren suddenly went crazy and started hitting him. He said that he hit Lauren twice to try to get her to calm down, but that he had not intended to kill her. However, an autopsy showed that she had been severely beaten at least four times, resulting in her death. Furthermore, texts discovered on Lauren's social media indicated that she had no intention of becoming sexually involved with Cody. One of the messages she sent clearly read, We're just talking, right? Nothing sexual. To use a morbid cliché, it appeared that Cody had used the social network to lure Lauren into his trap to satisfy his desire to kill. After Cody's arrest, a sample of his DNA was used to link him to the previously unsolved murders of three young women. Jill Stacy Stuchenko, 35, a mother of five, was last seen on October 9, 2009. On October 26, 2009, she was found dead in a gravel pit in the outskirts of Prince George. As with Lauren and following Cody's modus operandi, Jill died of a head injury. Now with new evidence, it was clear that she had been his first victim. Cody was now officially considered, at age 20, with his first crime committed at 19, Canada's youngest serial killer. The second victim was Natasha Montgomery, 25 years old and a mother of two. Natasha was last seen on August 31st, 2010, leaving a friend's house in Prince George. Although her body was never found, a search of the killer's home discovered the missing woman's DNA on an axe owned by Cody, which officially made her his second victim. The remains of his third victim, Cynthia Francis Mass, also 35 years old, were located in a park almost a month after she was reported missing in September 2010. Her body was in an advanced state of decomposition, but the autopsy showed that she had suffered a brutal attack, which had broken her jaw and cheekbone in several pieces. Cynthia also had severe injuries all over her body, as if someone had stepped on her several times with excessive force. The first three victims of the young killer were sex workers, and it is believed that this was what led them to meet Cody. During the trial, it was discovered that the young man was hiding his drug addiction from his family and friends. He was secretly contacting sex workers to get access to the substances he needed. Refusing to accept responsibility for his actions, Cody tried to plead guilty to the lesser charge of second-degree murder. He told the jury that he was present when the three women died, but he said that several other people, whom he could not name, were the actual killers, and that he had no active participation in the deaths. His contact with the women was just to buy drugs. But it seems strange that he was with this group on three occasions and did not know their names, isn't it? Furthermore, his version makes him an accomplice in the three murders. His story didn't stick. As for Lauren, his final victim, he contradicted himself saying that she went crazy and killed herself with a wrench and a knife in front of him. The three friends with whom Cody shared a house testified against him in 2014. 
One said that when she returned home from visiting her family for Thanksgiving 2009, she found Cody lying on the couch in the basement watching television. The girl said she noticed a blood stain on one end of the sofa and another stain on the carpet on the floor. When she asked him about the stains, he answered, Oh, I was high. My nose was bleeding while I was sleeping here on the couch. Relax. Following the young woman's testimony, the prosecution assumed that Cody had murdered Jill Stacy, his first victim, in the basement of the house during the Thanksgiving break. Another housemate also reported something strange. She remembered a small axe beside the boy's bed. Asked why he had an axe in his room, he said, It's scary down here. Try to sleep alone here and you'll see. I need to be prepared to defend myself if I need to. The young women also gave details of Cody's drug and alcohol fueled parties at their home. Cody would invite girls he met on the internet and this made them uncomfortable. His defence attorney asked the jury to convict his client on four counts of second-degree murder instead of first-degree murder. This was not accepted and he ended up being charged and convicted on four counts of first-degree murder. In September 2014, Cody Allen Legabokov was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after serving 25 years. Cody Legibokov is still considered the youngest serial killer in Canadian history. Hey, você se interessa por crimes reais, serial killers, coisas macabras e tem um senso de humor um tanto quanto sórdido? Se sim, você não está sozinho. Se você precisa de um lugar recheado de pessoas como você, Venha conhecer o podcast Pátria Amada Criminal. Todas as semanas tentamos entender o pior da humanidade. Nesse processo a gente ri, chora, fica brava, fofoca, porque afinal de contas é assim que a gente fala quando está entre amigos. Suas novas melhores amigas trevosas estão aqui no Pátria Amada Criminal. 